Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Each week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched I Am A Girl, released in 2013 and directed by Rebecca Barry. I Am A Girl is a documentary that looks at the lives of six teenage girls around the world. There's Aziza studying hard to get into university in Afghanistan, Katie battling with mental illness in Sydney, Australia, Manu preparing to give birth to her first child in Papua New Guinea, Briani following her musical dreams in the projects of New York City, Kim Say, a young mother forced into sex work in Cambodia, and Habiba getting ready for her wedding in Cameroon. So uh, this is a little bit different for us. We went along to a screening of this film, I Am A Girl, at um, our local Palace Electric Cinemas, which is, I, I guess, the sort of arty cinemas here in Canberra. And we were lucky enough to be there for a Q&A with the director, um, Rebecca Barry, who we're going to talk to a little bit later. But first up, we just thought we'd give a quick review of the film. Now, yeah, I it, this is um, quite an enjoyable little film, six little, six little vignettes about six girls all around the age of 16 or 17 living in some really diverse parts of the world. It was at times confronting, at times interesting but it certainly kept us engaged the whole time we were watching it yeah it's uh it's sort of focuses it, it cuts in and out of the um like stories of the lives of six different girls using various transition methods that are sometimes successful and sometimes not quite as successful but the film looks really gorgeous the cinematography is beautiful especially in afghanistan which is stunning mm. uh and and especially considering we just interviewed the filmmaker and we just discovered that it's all shot on a digital slr camera mm. that's quite impressive it is it's a really beautiful movie and it's really engaging and interesting in the girl it's partly because the girls are just really engaging and interesting like you mm. get to sort of know their personalities a little bit as you discover bits and pieces about them and um and go through sort of a day with them in their countries or in their cities. Mm, yeah, and it's um it's really impressive actually the level of access that um the filmmakers have been allowed to get with these girls. With s- some of them it's uh particularly in in the Western countries in Australia and the US, it, it's a little more fly on the wall documentary that we're used to. But in, um, I'm thinking in particular in Cambodia mm. and also in Papua New Guinea, the access she's, well, not just her, that the filmmaker and the cinematographer go and spend, I think, a couple of weeks in a Papua New Guinea maternity ward, which is incredibly confronting. But the women who are there, are, you, they're right up close and they're watching, you're watching this most intimate, painful moment of their life. And again, in um, in Cambodia, it, it seemed at some times where this this girl and her family had just kind of forgotten mm. that they were there watching and capturing these conversations. Yeah, the stuff in Cambodia especially was really sort of confronting, but also the access is amazing because we focus on Kim Se, but we also get to see her abusive mother and her abusive partner a lot, uh, which is interesting that they would give the permission to to have them around the whole time. And it, it's sort of a really, really difficult situation that Kim Se seems to um, be in. Uh, and you can see they're just in absolute abject poverty. Yeah. But I kind of like that the story is about the fact that these girls are really capable yeah. and strong. And so none of them is kind of a victim. They're all just 
sort of sharing their story and 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 uh, having agency over their own story in this film. Yeah, and the filmmakers quite uh, adamant about this that they that the girls were telling their own stories and they all knew exactly what they were consenting to. So I, I don't I don't feel like it's exploitative in any way, but they are willing to give a lot of access in some cases. Yeah, I think when you're watching the movie, there's sort of there's some stories that really kind of are really engaging and interesting. And for me personally, there were two that were the most engaging. Um, there's Aziza, who lives in Afghanistan, uh, who is this incredibly intelligent girl who is very, very self-aware and goes to school even though it's incredibly dangerous for her. And she's just really, really composed, I guess. Yeah, um, she was amazing. In fact, just the fa- her family and their support for her as well mm. as everything. I think that's actually one of the really interesting things this film shows up is that no matter what where you live, if you have the support of good parents, you are like 80% of the way to making it. Yeah. With Aziza in Afghanistan, who's just, she's so ambitious and brave and smart. And I really, really hope that this girl, I, she, she hope she goes off to uni. I hope she gets her law degree and I hope she's like the boss of something really important because she's an amazing girl. But not just her, um, there's a couple with really strong supportive families um Briani and mm. her mom and her granddad in New York City it, it, they don't have a lot of money but there's a lot of love in the family and a lot of support uh and the other one is um the Australian, Australian girl Katie who has just one of the loveliest dads you'll ever see on television he's a really great guy and you can see that her mom and dad are really you know want the best for their daughter and mm. and it was a real contrast cuz especially when we had to watch a story of Kim Say with this this horrible poverty that's thrown this family into this just nasty situation. Well, and Manu, the girl in in Papua New Guinea, her father disowned her when he found out she was pregnant. Yeah, Um, particularly awful. So, yeah, and and that's quite – I mean, Manu's quite uh, sort of – she just seems to have a lot of positivity, I guess, Mm. optimism. She's very happy, bright sort of girl. And she also seems – she seems to have the support of her baby's dad, her her partner, yeah. in, in making it all happen. It was um it was very interesting. I didn't really talk about the sixth girl, who is Habiba. She lives in Cameroon and she is 17 years old, about to get married to a man of around 34. Now, she's very excited about getting married, but her story is a little underdone in this film. Yeah, I always feel like her story is more about the culture and less about her. Like, uh, it's yeah. sort of it, – it just doesn't give her a chance to – really show who she is it's a lot of you know marriage is this marriage is that i'm getting married it's so exciting and not a lot of her life story you find out a little bit that she was a student and she dropped that when she was getting married Mm. and not a lot Mm. else Um, and it's a lot of i felt like every time we went back to cameroon it was like shots of everybody celebrating lots of music lots of colors and not a lot of substance there. Mm, yeah, whereas um, the other five are most definitely about that person's story, that girl's yeah. story. And I don't know whether that was just timing issues or what it was, but it just her story is not quite as engaging, I think, as some of the other mm. ones. And the person who – the girl who really stands out as, like, sh- the star of the movie and is on all the posters is Briani in New mm. York, who is just – every time she's on screen, she just sort of lights it up. Mm. She's very en- entertaining and engaging, even when she's talking about – you know, various things. And even when she's acting like a real typical teenager who I think she's the only one yet to see 
doing that sort of teenager, well, oh, I'm bored sort of stuff. Yeah, we, although we do see Katie flicking around on Tumblr, which made us <laughs> yeah. laugh because our, um, Katie flicks around, our, Katie, our Katie and our Mel <laughs> flick around on Tumblr a lot. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I suppose there's all these different ideas of what a typical teenager is right, in different places, but that, that sort of, even when she's acting that way, she's really interesting and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see why she wants to be a music star. There's like that sort of spark in her. And I you think. can also see that, yeah, that she has the drive and the charisma yeah. to pursue that career. And, um, yeah. And, and that, that's kind of lovely. Um, and the support. And to the do support, it. exactly, from her mum and granddad who are fantastic for her. Yeah. So she's a good, she's a good poster child for the movie. You know, Absolutely. she's really that kind of engaging person. Uh, but it is, it's fascinating sort of to see how the movie is made and it's really well made. It's a really well made documentary. Like documentaries can sort of fall down on a lot of different, uh, different elements like excessive voiceovers and, you know, all of these other. <laughs> All these other things like cliches, <laughs> cliches but also yeah. not getting the mix right of different different stories yep. or all sorts of things that they, they, they can fall down in a lot of places. And I think this one hel- holds up really, really well. Yep. Uh, um, yeah, it looks it looks gorgeous. They've done a, a good job with shooting it. Sometimes they get a little bit caught up in the arty, arty mm. shots of some of the lovely locations that they have. And, you know, it's almost understandable. That fisheye shot, man. That is such a strange shot. Yeah. There's like a fisheye, fisheye lens shot. That starts, it goes down onto a building in, uh, mm. in Sydney and it's like this, it, it seems to move. Right. This building seems to warp as it goes down because of the, the lens used. And it's such an odd shot. Mm. For some reason that took me out of the movie for about 10 minutes after I saw that. Oh, right. Yeah. I was, I not was, that anybody else is going to worry about it. I yeah. Suppose. No. But yeah, we do, we have sometimes we have these long transition shots that we get repeated throughout mm. and you sort of be like, no, it's okay. I know we're going back to Sydney now. Yeah, exactly. You probably didn't, didn't necessarily need that, but it, that's a minor quibble. It still, it still looks lovely. Yeah. But I think also that the fact that it, it does depend on the girls to tell their own stories yep. and it doesn't feel like it is intrusive or, um, or, you know, it's, it doesn't feel like it's trying too hard to tell you what to think about it. Either. Right. Yes. It's all about sort of you just going in there and learning about them rather than them trying to tell you what to think about them. Yeah. And that's, that's really good as well, especially some of these subjects. I, and I'm thinking now again about the, um, young marriage one, because mm. that's one where I don't know if it's deliberate or not, but the girl getting married is obviously very, defensive almost about do it like she she's sort of pleased that she's getting married it's the right thing to do she's just she's a bit scared but it's what you do and well she also talks a bit about how she chose her husband yes and a lot of people don't get to choose her husband right husband. so she seems quite proud yes yeah, exactly so i don't know if it's so much defensiveness that i got as like um as pride in well i got to choose my husband and he's mm. wonderful so um so this is absolutely right. Right, right. Even if I'm scared and even if there's some things that I don't like so much, this is right because I got to choose this one. Yeah, yes. And it, it, even though that's probably the um the one where we get the least idea of her as a person, it's still rather an interesting story. But yeah. And and the the filmmaker's not trying to make you trying to tell you how to feel no, or what to think. That's it. Uh, um, because there were some elements that I didn't know until after when we talked to Rebecca Barry, the filmmaker, mm. there were things that I didn't see in the movie that she talked about afterwards that she was thinking about while making it. Yes. Um, which kind of, I was glad I didn't know that going into it, I guess, because it gave it a different flavor for me. It was a different yes. experience for me. I don't want to give away what it was, but you know. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so was so interesting. That's true. Like she, she, um, she certainly has a, a process when she picked these six mm. girls. She had some, something in mind, which is probably better to just go in and watch the six stories rather than worrying about what she was thinking when she mm. chose each girl. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I thought. But mm. again, I mean, it's just a really well-made movie and a really. Uh, I hate the word inspirational. I don't want to use that. Yeah. It's a very, um, uh, it's a movie that allows women, particularly girls who are really marginalized to have agency and tell their own stories. Yeah. And, uh, to do that without being just another victim of numbers. It puts a human face on the statistics. Indeed, it does. And I think, um, teenage girls are also one of those, hugely misunderstood groups. I, mm. I mean, women are marginalised, but most adult women have a lot more agency. Teenage girls get all kinds – even in our, even in um, like the Western world, we, we make fun of things that teenage girls are interested in, mm. things they're concerned about. And it's really great to actually look at these girls and value them for their stories, their intelligence, their experience, and not just, oh, she's, you know, a fan of Twilight, so that's a teenage girl thing, so it's not at all interesting, and therefore she should, you know – Whatever, I'm just going to dismiss Sit it. Sit down in the corner and be quiet. Yeah, yeah. We can be very dismissive of teenage girls, and I think it's really nice to have some teenage girls, yeah, with, with that real agency and going out there and pursuing their dreams like this. It's lovely. Yeah, and you get to see all of the uh, the potential that all the different girls have. That's correct, and they all they all have a lot of potential. They're um they've been picked because they're bright and interesting and have, mm. are, are quite insightful about their own lives as well. Yeah, which is. Is really good because which is particularly something else. Again, I got from Aziza. Like she's yes. just so like so self confident and so self aware and so aware of what's going on around her mm. all the time. Where some of the others, I mean, it's just because she's got had that support and that education and mm. and had different opportunities. But again, she's in Afghanistan and, and culturally the opportunities are not there, and yet she's got that real kind of light in her. Yeah, and well, that she- sounds cheesy. It does sound cheesy, but she really knows that it's important for her to go to school and for mm. her to do really well. You know, if we'd heard Katie, the the Sydney girl, say, "Oh, I'm going," to, you know, "I've tried, I've worked really hard, and I'm going to go and do a law degree," it'd be just like that. That that's great, and I hope you do well out of it. But to hear Aziza say that and why it's important for her to get into law school and to get good marks in her exams is an entirely different thing because this girl is so brave just going to school for Mm. her is is quite an act and this is a story that i heard elsewhere we didn't actually get it in the interview but i heard from somebody else who saw this film is aziza's segment was shot that's a bad choice of words aziza's segment was filmed uh before the incident in pakistan where the little girl malala was shot while going to school Mm. and they told aziza about it after they the filmmakers went back to her and said look this has happened when you put your story out out there, this is going to make you a target. Do you want to you do you want to pull out? We don't want you to you know put yourself in danger. And she actually chose to keep being involved with the project. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, she's just an amazing just, girl. Like yeah, we we both came out of it inspired by her. Yeah, she is. She's, she's amazing. Just amazing. So, uh, what's your star rating, Melissa? My star rating, I would give it four stars. That's what I gave it. Four out of five. That's excellent. Um, and we were lucky enough this week to have with us the filmmaker for I Am A Girl, whose name is Rebecca Barry. She agreed to talk to us about her experiences making the film. So we're going to have that interview now. Hello. Oh, hello. Hi. <laughs> so first of all, I had, there's kind of a, a bit of an interesting story about how you actually came to make I Am A Girl. So can you tell us a bit about that? Sure. Okay. So what happened was um, my partner, John, and I, 
went over to Samoa for a holiday and we were caught up in a tsunami that happened there. It was quite a devastating tsunami and, um, and you know, we were very lucky to survive. And I guess, you know, after processing that experience um, and going through a bit of post-traumatic stress, I, I realised that that was, you know, quite a life-changing event and it was something that I really wanted to, um, I guess, focus into something positive and... And that was, you know, to focus on the important things. Mm-hmm. So this this film had been an idea that had been bubbling away in my head for a couple of years, and and so the tsunami, I guess, really just sort of inspired, kicked me into action, and um, and I guess it also gave me, you know, on on processing and and afterthought, it actually gave me uh, the the seed, the core of the film, which was, you know, the feeling that I had when I went through the tsunami was this complete and utter lack of control over my life and, and the outcome. And what I realized was that for most girls in the world, that's how they feel like on a daily basis. So once, I think once I had that kind of awareness and understanding it, it, it made, um, it made sense as to why I was making the film. So I guess that was the inspiration. It was a couple of things. Um, it was the magazine article mm. where the idea came from, but it was actually the tsunami that kicked me into action. So the next question we wanted to ask is, um, how did you go about finding the girls who are featured in the movie and what made you choose these girls in particular? Sure. Well, we did um, quite quite an extensive amount of research and development. So we originally were going to do 10 girls, but, um, but resources and you know, practicalities got in the way of that. So we honed it down to, to six girls. And I looked at um, particular issues that were very much, you know, uh, that tapped into that idea of gender inequality. So things like early marriage, um, sexual violence, uh, pregnancy and childbirth, which is the biggest killer of girls under the age of 18, access to education, mental health issues and and poverty. So these were the issues that I wanted to engage in. Then it, then it was sort of like a, a patchwork quilt of which countries in the world best represented each issue. So we looked at, um, obviously, Afghanistan really engaged in the issue of education. I mean, going to school is perhaps one of the most dangerous things you can do as a woman and a girl in Afghanistan. And Papua New Guinea, they're our closest neighbours and their maternal health rates um are, are quite shocking. So it, w- it was sort of a mishmash of practicalities and and that sort of thing. And then in terms of actually finding the girls, it was different everywhere we went. So we have the film was funded philanthropically. So we had some help from different philanthropists and different organisations that helped um, support us resourcing the film. So Plan Australia helped ma- helped us with connections in Cameroon. Um, Save the Children helped us with connections in Afghanistan. Uh, and then uh, in Papua New Guinea, we wanted to film a girl undergoing the last couple of weeks of childbirth. So we actually just went and hung out in different maternity wards and, and antenatal clinics until we found Manu, the girl that, that we, that we um, decided to film with. So it was different. It was different everywhere we went. But when we did find the girls that we were hoping to film with, we would go through quite a rigorous process of consent and talking with the family and did they understand what was involved and, um, you know, really honest about what it means to be a part of a film and but also really wanting to make sure that they felt empowered by being a part of the story. So, um, yeah, for me, I really wanted the girls for it to be 
the girls' stories to be testimony and for them to feel like, you know, it was it was them telling us their story, not not me going in and sort of filtering through a story that I wanted to tell. It was it was coming straight from them. I'm also interested because you shot in some quite difficult places like Afghanistan. How did you actually practically get into Afghanistan and, and shoot? And you shot it so beautifully as well. It's one of the most visually stunning parts of the film. Yeah, Afghanistan is a is a beautiful, beautiful country. And, um, well, look, we got help. Save the Children facilitated our visit there. So they, you know, provided us with a translator who helped do some groundwork and yeah, it's, it's, it's not an easy country to move around in. So we laid, we sort of went under the radar and didn't make a big fuss. Um, we didn't have much secure, we didn't have any security with us. We went, um, there were two schools of thought about how we should go about it. And, um, one is which, you know, you have an armored vehicle and a, you know, four guys with machine guns and, you know, bulletproof vests and it's all very, dramatic and <laughs> full-on, um, which was completely not the style that I adhered to as a filmmaker. So, obviously, I wanted to make feel people and the families and the girls feel as comfortable as possible. So, we just took the other um, school of thoughts, uh, which is, you know, go under the radar, travel lightly and, um, you know, don't don't make a big fuss about where you are and what you're doing. So that's what we did. And, um, and we found Aziza in Afghanistan and, and her family is incredible. And, and, and in terms of the, the visuals, um, that's Nicola Daly, who is the cinematographer. She is extraordinary in what she does. And all of, pretty much all of the footage that we, the camera that we shot on was a, a Canon 7D, which is a digital SLR camera. It's full HD. And we had three lenses. Um, one camera body and um, a tripod and we also had a a GoPro camera as well which is tiny so everything pretty much could fit into a backpack and a, and a lens bag so we looked we just looked kind of like enthusiastic photographic tourists why we were in Afghanistan I don't know but if people would have asked that question but um yeah so you traveled fairly lightly that also makes me think of the uh, scene in the uh, Port Moresby Maternity Hospital because, again, you're right up there with Manu while she's giving birth. So did you use minimal equipment and again for that piece? Yeah, we were in there in the cubicle with Manu <laughs> as as it all unraveled and, and, and just so, you know, like we, we, we weren't completely cruel. Like we the, the birth was the, – the labour was quite long. So we, you know, we'd, we'd film what we had to film and then we'd put the camera down and give her a little rub on the back and in between contractions and and things like that. It was quite a difficult one to film because uh, you're filming someone who's in a lot of pain. Um, but, yeah, that, that's how we, how we filmed that scene. Um, you wrote a blog post on your website about uh, what it was like in that maternity ward. Can you talk a little bit more about the situation in Port Moresby with the maternity wards? Yeah, well, look, basically Port Moresby has a hospital and it has several antenatal clinics and most of the women try to, if they can, make it to the hospital. For um, these, these are the urban women that live in the city. Some of them come from, you know, from the regional areas as well. But essentially it's a... It's a, um, a ward of 23, 25 beds and it's just constant, constant, constant 
babies being born, women in labour. It's like mm. this kind of Dante's inferno of pain, this orchestra of pain, you know, pretty much all the whole time. And there's, if you're lucky, there's um, there's meant to be three midwives on looking after 23 beds. But um, often because of the bad public transport system and the roads are bad, the the, the nurses, the midwives can't make it in to the hospital on time for their shift. So sometimes, well, most of the time, it's usually one or two. And then if they're lucky, you know, doctors will come around and, and do their ward rounds. So it's just this, I mean, sometimes you'll have like a mi- two midwives looking after 20 birthing suites. It's just absolutely out of control. And they've got one of the highest birth rates in the Asia Pacific region. So you can just imagine what it's like. They have a problem with cleaners and hygiene. And the, on on that particular day that Manu was giving birth, um, they they'd run out of clamps for the umbilical cord. Um, they give birth in a pretty much it's a, a stainless steel bed with a very thin mattress and a bit of plastic. The plastic gets you know blood and placenta and all sorts of things on it and then that gets taken out the back and rinsed off and reused Mm -hmm. yeah no it was um it's quite hard to watch that scene just the blood on the floor and women giving birth on the floor it's quite it's definitely quite confronting to watch and i wanted to talk a little bit more about some the other story that is particularly confronting in this film which is kim say from cambodia now kim say has ended up in sex work and she's got family problems and other things going on what i'm interested in is at the end of her story, you sort of feel like there's a bit of hope, but I'm wondering if you have, in fact, followed up with her or with the other girls and you can give a bit of an update on how they're going now. Yes, well, I guess this is a bit of a spoiler alert for <laughs> for anyone that's listening, but um, look, yes, I am. I'm in touch with all of the girls. It's it's difficult to – it is difficult to stay in touch because, well, Kim say um, doesn't write very well and doesn't have access to computers so and and I can't speak Khmer so it's it's challenging so we've got um our translator who you know uh and and also she's in contact with an AFICEP an organization called AFICEP who we put her in contact with they're a local um charity that work with girls like Kim Say and she's doing she's doing okay and she's um left her husband her partner her boyfriend slash husband and she's doing okay and it's looking like she's ready to make a bit of a change in her life and she's talking now about starting a, a market stall or a meatball stall or something like that so there is a bit of hope there oh, cool. <laughs> um thankfully because it is a very difficult story Mm-hmm. Um, and all the other girls in their own way, they're all doing quite well, actually. Like Briani is, um, is at college and Katie's at uni. Um, Habiba's sort of, you know, been married for six months now and is allowed out of the house. Oh, that's good. Um, and Aziz is at, um, at university too. So, oh, that's and, good. and Manu and Rennie, the baby in Papua New Guinea, are, are doing well as well. So, yeah, there have been some people after who have asked at Q&As afterwards after they've seen the film whether or not I plan on doing a follow-up. So who knows, maybe maybe we will. If not, we'll definitely start putting updates on, on the website. Well, I know we'd love to see another movie. Um, you, were talking, yeah. <laughs> you were talking a little bit before about the funding for the movie. Um, yes. And we know that you got some of the funding through Indiegogo. Yeah, we did a small – initially we did a small um, crowdfunding campaign through Indiegogo and um, you know that helped us with our research and development phase 
Um, and we also um, funded the, th- the film mainly, primarily through the Documentary Australia Foundation, which is a fantastic organisation that matches philanthropists with filmmakers and the philanthropists make a, a grant to the film and and then the filmmaker gets to use that money to make their film. So we had, um, you know, an extraordinary handful of um, philanthropists, so Plan Australia, Intrepid Travel, Women's Plans Foundation, Fine Read, Weir Anderson Foundation and then lots of in-kind support from industry partners such as Deluxe and Philosophy and and it's it's been a really fantastic way to make a film because you um, you just have all these really motivated people who are interested in the success of the film and really want to help make it happen. So they've been a huge help with the marketing and and getting the film out there as well. And you've also been uh, travelling around the country doing Q&As in most of the major cities and I believe you've been uh, picked up for distribution now? Yeah, so we've got an international distributor, which is TVF International, and we've got a North American distributor, Women Make Movies. There was one last thing that we wanted to talk about, which is how did you, how have you found the reception to the movie to be? And um, for people who might not be the kind of people who would go out and see a movie called, I Am, a documentary called I Am a Girl, why do you think they should go see it? <laughs> well, the reception to the film has been absolutely incredible and beyond my wildest dreams. I We never really did much beyond our Sydney and Melbourne uh, launches, which, you know, were sellouts and mm. Palace picked it up for distribution to their cinemas around Australia. And, and Nova down in Melbourne have picked it up for an extended season there. So that's just been incredible. And we've had lots of interest for our hostess screenings. It's been incredible traveling around and doing the Q and A's because you get to engage with the audience and, um, really get a sense of how it's been moving people and affecting people. And I've, I've had just so many different people coming up to me saying how much they love the film and I've had people in tears at the end of the film coming up and wanting a hug and so that's just been very humbling and um, a very very rewarding experience and in terms of your other question about people who might not go to the film well and what what I'd say to kind of pitch it to them is is that it's a film for everyone it really personifies these statistics that we hear and I think I think we're all we can all be like this, you know. We hear something on the news, it just starts to blur into one big thing, and it's almost too much. Mm. Mm. But what this film does is it personifies it, and it it's it's true testimony from the girls, and it's also a really great film for men as well. I've been really surprised at how many men have engaged in the film, and particularly fathers or men with daughters. I, I guess allow yourself to be surprised about how other people live so if for people who have seen the movie or even maybe if you haven't but you have become concerned about some of the issues you see on the film what can you do you know sitting here in our happy little western world if you want to (laughs) think about how you can support girls in situations like this where should you go great well we've got um we've got the website imagirl.com.au and there's a do something button you can go on there and, and click on on that and there are some suggestions i think we might wrap it up there thank you so much for your time rebecca it's been really great to talk to you and we very much enjoyed 
this film. We really hope everyone gets out there to see it. For our listeners, there are still screenings on in capital cities. And have you got a couple of more Q&As, Rebecca? There's a few more Q&As left. But we've also on the website, so you know, we're doing a live chat. So if people do go to a screening and they feel like they want to talk to me or, um, you know, ask a question, I'm planning to be online after screenings. Sounds excellent. And thank you so much for your time. We'll, uh, we know you're very busy and we really appreciate that you put aside some time to talk to us. Uh, we might say goodnight now and thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So thank you very much for listening to Silver Screen Queens. This week we have talked about I Am A Girl, and we were lucky enough to have the director, Rebecca Barry, join us for a chat. The film is in limited release around Australia at the moment, so do get along and see it if you can. If you want to know anything more about that film, you should go to its website, which is iamagirl.com.au. If you want to know anything more about this podcast, you can visit our website, which is silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of this film, you can visit her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. If you want to get in touch with us on our various social medias, you're also welcome to do that. We have a Facebook page, which you can like. We have a Twitter at screen underscore queens. And we also have a Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com, where you can get in touch with us. You tell us what you think. You can offer up some ideas for movies we might like to watch, or you can just have a chat with us. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Bye.